Okay. Uh, go ahead and be turning your Bibles to Philippians chapter 4. I think that's where we'll begin tonight. And um, we've just kind of been going through various topics and thoughts as uh, we go from week to week. It seems like each week there's a, a just a thought that's on my mind or on my heart. And so we've been uh, just kind of jumping around from place to place for a little while uh, until I uh, am ready to uh, commit to doing another book study. I think we're about there. Uh, I will say if there's anything else that we haven't covered yet that you all would like for me to do a study on or teach on, uh, let me know and we'll get that done. But uh, if nothing happens, we'll we'll probably be starting on a book study next week. I'm not entirely certain. Uh, but anyway, uh, over the past several weeks, we have talked about what the Bible teaches about love. We've talked about our motive for serving God. We've talked about uh, uh, having balance in our Christian lives. We've talked about guarding our hearts. And we've talked about uh, having standards and convictions, uh, the importance of prayer. And last week, we looked at the importance of God's Word in our lives. And so we were studying out why, uh, why it's important that we study the Word of God, how we go about that, uh, what it does in our lives, that kind of thing. And so that's what we've been looking at. And I had intended tonight that, uh, and I'd even told Les that I'd planned our topic tonight on, uh, I'd planned our topic tonight to be uh, about feeding our soul. And I'd intended it to be uh, kind of the positive side or the positive uh, counterpoint to the idea of uh, guarding our hearts. And so guarding your heart would be the negative, keep these things away, and feeding our soul would be the opposite, putting these things into our life in order to uh, give us uh, give us spiritual soul health, right? And so that was the idea. And as I had different passages that was in my mind, I started looking over them, and I felt like we'd already covered much of it uh, just in previous uh, previous lessons that we'd done. Whenever we were looking at the lesson on guarding our hearts, along with a lot of the negatives, I was, prevent, I was presenting some of the positives as well, right? When we were talking about convictions and standards, we were talking about things that were important that we had in our lives uh, to keep us on track. And so there was negatives and positives as well with that. And then when we were talking about the Bible, we were talking about the, the benefits of it. And we even referenced the fact that the Bible is uh, spoken of as being food for us, right? right? And so much of what we do in feeding our soul uh, comes from the Word of God. And so as we are putting the Word of God into our lives, we are feeding our soul. We are nourishing our soul. It is something that is giving us health and uh, growing us in our walk with God. And so while I was in those passages, though, there was another thought that kept uh, jumping out to me. And so I thought that it was uh, something appropriate for us to cover tonight. And so that's what we're going to do. We'll see how it goes. And uh, hopefully it'll be a help to you. And so we're going to be in Philippians chapter 4. And I'm going to start reading down at verse number 4. And it says, Rejoice in the Lord always. And again I say rejoice. Let your moderation be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. Be careful for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication. With thanksgiving let your requests be, known, excuse me, be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. 
Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things, those things which ye have both learned and received and heard and seen in me, do, and the God of peace shall be with you. And so as we look at that passage, I find many good things that Paul encourages the believer to do, which promote soul health, mm-hmm. right? And so he tells them, rejoice in the Lord always. And so if we are rejoicing in the Lord, that's going to feed our soul. That's going to help our soul. Uh, it says, let your moderation be known to, to all men. That's talking about our reputation amongst people being a reputation for gentleness. That's what that word moderation means. That we aren't given to extremes, but we are uh, even, we are gentle in our dealings with people. And so that should be what characterizes us. And so our, uh, our reputation is one for gentleness. Uh, it says, uh, be anxious for nothing but in all things with prayer and supplication being, uh, make your uh, requests made known unto God. And so that tells us that we fight anxiety with uh, prayer and thankfulness, right? So all these are parts of soul health. All these things come into strengthening our inner man, right? Uh, and then the last part of that that we were looking at uh, was talking about whatsoever things uh, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are uh, lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. And it's easy to look at that verse and just kind of uh, pass it on by, but it is giving us instruction regarding our thought life. And we've hit on this recently, but we tend to uh, we tend to gravitate toward negative things, mm-hmm. right? Free which service it was that we were talking about that a little bit here recently, but we gravitate toward negative things. Our our thought life continues to go toward things that are bad, and so rather than thinking on the things that are uh, true, we tend to think on many different things that are lies, things that are incorrect. We believe a lot of the things that society and the devil teaches us that are contrary to what God says is true. And so if we allow those thoughts to ruminate in our mind too much, if we allow them to continue in there and get into our heart, they're going to trouble our mind. They are going to break down our soul, right? And so it tells us that we need to make sure that the things that we are thinking on, the things that are going on in our head, that they are true, and whenever it comes to spiritual things, whenever it comes to social things, we come back to the Bible and gauge it on that, right? But even a lot of our interactions with people, our relationships and things, uh, we can believe things that are incorrect about other people. And so we need to make sure that the things that we are thinking, the things that are going on in our head, is things that are true. And going through that list, the next thing, things that are honest, that would be similar to the things that are true, but things that are honest are things that are not misleading, things that are not uh, false in any way, right? Mm-hmm. So it's not just lies that we believe, but the things that we are thinking about, are they things that are going to be, uh, how would I put this? To differentiate between the things that are true and the things that are honest, truth would have come up with concepts, right? Would have been the, the things, I guess we could say, and the things that are honest would be the actions as well, right? Yeah. So if our minds are uh, constantly filled with 
the right thoughts, the right actions, right? Those are going to foster soul health in us. And I'm getting somewhere with all this, okay? So stick with me. And it says, whatsoever things are pure. So that's without defilement, without uh, corruption, right? Mm -hmm. And as I said, we tend to uh, gravitate toward the things that are uh, dishonest, the things that are impure, the things that are untrue. And those spend so much time in that space between our ears that it causes us all sorts of trouble. Um, So if we are following Paul's advice in this, and we are making sure to taking every thought and bring them under subjection, right? If we are taking instead of constantly being filled with the negative and being filled with positive, and I'm not trying to go Joel Osteen, the power of positive thinking. Y'all ever see that book, hear that message, that kind of thing? But he kind of hijacked this idea and he took it to a perverse extreme. But the Bible does teach, uh, for instance, whatever man thinketh in his heart, so is he, right? Mm -hmm. Or for as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. And the effect of our mind on our actions and our overall well-being. And so someone with uh, with a very negative uh, frame of mind, a negative thought process, thought pattern, uh, is going to have... Uh, horrible results on their uh, horrible results in their soul. Okay, their mind, will, and emotions. That's our soul, isn't it? Mm-hmm. And so, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, uh, just means righteous, pure. Whatsoever things are lovely. We we're talking a little bit about things that were lovely earlier, with the moon and the rainbows and all mm-hmm. that kind of stuff, right? And so, rather than the things that are. Uh, wicked and deranged and all of these different things, the things that are lovely and of good report. If there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. And so uh, what I'm getting at with all of these is that what goes on in our heads is under our control. We have control over how long we allow things to stay in our mind. The, the old adage is you can't, uh, you can't control. You can't keep the birds from flying over your head, but you can keep them from building a nest in your hair. Right. Have you guys heard that before? <laughs> you never heard that before. No, okay. So you can't keep the birds from flying over, but you can keep them from building a nest in your hair. Mm-hmm. Okay. And the idea behind that is there's always going to be thoughts that pop into your mind. There's always going to be wrong ideas. There's going to be the impurities, the lies, the assumptions, and all those things that are going to come your way. And sometimes you're going to be going throughout your day and you're going to say, where did that come from? Yes. Okay? But if you bring it back to this and say, wait a second, is that true? No, it's not true because of this. Subject it to the truth and get rid of it, right? Mm -hmm. And think on the things that are true. If you say, is that something that is righteous? Is it just? No, it's wicked. I don't want that. I'm going to put it out of my mind, right? Mm -hmm. So it's this... This thing we have control over the health of our soul, over the health of our mind, if we control what is affecting it, we put up guards around it by what we allow to get in. Another passage that I was going to uh, refer to in this, if I was going to continue with the idea of our soul health, was where it talked about speaking to ourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, uh, singing and making melody in our heart unto the Lord. This is the idea of the things that is... Uh, constantly before us, the things that we are subjecting ourselves to, the things that we are uh, allowing to take up time and space in our mind, if we are filling up our heart, filling up our mind 
with good things, and we are not allowing the the negative and the uh, untrue, the unkind things to stay too long, then it's going to have an effect on our mind. It's going to have a good, a positive effect on our mind. But as I was looking through these things, uh, rather than discussing that, the thing that kept jumping out to me in Philippians chapter number four was verse number seven. In verse number seven, it says, And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. So we've been talking about the mind. We've been talking about the soul. Uh, and as I said, the soul is your mind, your will, your emotions. It's your inner man, who you really are. Mm-hmm. Okay? And so it says that uh, the peace of God will keep your, what does it say? The peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. So we talked a little bit in the past about that idea of keeping. Okay? Keep your heart, guard your heart, right? And so it says it shall keep your hearts and minds. That's the other part of it. But what jumped out at me with this passage is just that uh, phrase, the peace of God. The peace of God. Because how would we define peace? Anyone want to take a stab at it? Rest. Okay. No worries. No worries. Rest. Stillness. Stillness. Anyone ever rest and be still and Um, and still not have peace? Yeah. Or have trouble finding calm? To what? I would need to be calm as not your mind would fall blank. Yeah. Okay, so those are ideas about having peace of mind, right? Right. Okay. And so how how easy for us is it in general to have that peace of mind, for us to have a calmness, a rest, for us to be at that place where our mind is almost blanked, where there's nothing good or bad to trouble it? Okay. I think in the, the day and hour which we live in, it makes it even more difficult. You can't escape the noise. Exactly. Okay. And especially if you've got uh, if you've got family, if you've got work, if you've got different things going on. Uh, for instance, with us in our household, it's usually chaos. <laughs> I told the girls this morning, I, I like getting up early. And I go and I'd have my quiet place and I could sit and I could pray and I could read and do all that. But now that we start school back, they're getting up during that time. And so I find it a little bit more difficult to have that quiet time. So I was like, okay, I'm just going to go get in the shower and I want to go to the church and I'll, I'll do it there. <laughs> you know. But it's just that idea of it's, it's difficult to find that peace and that quiet. And then we constantly have uh, television, we have radio, we have uh, phones, we have all sorts of noise around us. And so it is hard to have a calm. It's hard to have quiet. It's hard to have peace when our schedules are busy, whenever our our airwaves are full, Mm -hmm. right? And so there has to be a way of managing that to hopefully bring us more peace, right? Um, A way that people commonly, and I'm, maybe I should, I don't know. I, I say I'm proud of you, I guess. Because a lot of times people uh, would define peace 
as the absence of conflict. Right? I've heard that one oftentimes, the absence of conflict. Mm -hmm. And so whenever we pray for peace in the Middle East, you want no conflict. Okay, whenever there is unrest in any way, you are wanting that absence of conflict. You're wanting all those things that are causing trouble and struggles within you for that to cease, Mm -hmm. right? But once again, um, can we get rid of all conflict? As long as we live in this world, I don't think we can get rid of conflict. Mm -hmm. And I think we're going to have trouble most of the time getting calm. Here's what I found out. With the idea of calm and with peace and rest and whatnot, what ends up happening is we lose our peace seeking after peace. You get frustrated because there is no quiet. You get frustrated because there is no calm. You're pursuing after peace, and so the absence of peace makes you even less peaceful. And so you keep digging into this. But we look at many different examples of people in the Bible who didn't have the absence of conflict, didn't have the quiet, didn't have uh, the restfulness, but yet they still had peace, right? You look through different people in Scripture, you look at Daniel. Daniel should not have had peace. He had plenty of enemies. He had people who were coming, making accusations, all kinds of lies, all kinds of things against him. He was cast into the lion's den for doing that which was good. But even in the lion's den, he had peace. Mm-hmm. Right? You look at uh, Peter whenever he was in prison. We talked about him recently. And whenever he was in prison, he was able to lay down and go to sleep while chained to guards, mm-hmm. expecting execution the next day. I don't know how you would get thoughtless whenever the they're they're sharpening the axe outside yeah. or building the gallows or whatever means of execution they had planned for him. I don't know how that you're you would have a calm. I don't know that how you would be able to escape those thoughts, right? But he had peace and he was able to go to sleep and lay down and rest. Uh, you have Paul and Silas as they were in prison. Uh, they were singing and praising God at that time. There was no quiet. They were singing, right? But they had peace. You have Paul in the storm of the sea whenever he was uh, about to be uh, shipwrecked. And he had peace even whenever no one would listen to him. Even whenever he knew that the ship was going to sink. Even whenever he knew they were going to be floating out in the ocean or the sea or whatever it was. uh, Even whenever he knew all of those things, he still had peace. Uh, You look at uh, whenever Paul was standing before multiple corrupt government figures. He was before uh, Festus and Felix and Augustus and all these different ones. And still, he was able to have perfect peace, even whenever he was bound and chained, even whenever his life was threatened, even whenever he stood before ungodly men, he still had peace. Uh, You look at even this, this passage in Philippians, whenever he talked about the peace of God that passes understanding. And he wrote the book of Philippians while he was in prison. This is one of his prison epistles. And so he's instructing them on how to have peace in one of the least peaceful situations that you could be in. Anyone think jail would be peaceful? Now, I did see, um, I saw a picture the other day. 
I think it was Sweden or somewhere, one of the one of those uh, Nordic countries, and it was a picture of one of their jail cells, and they were. It, it, it looked like a fancy Airbnb. It looked like a place that you would go away on holiday. Uh-huh. And so the idea when they showed the picture was, hey, I want to go there and get put in jail. <laughs> because, you know, it had a beautiful scenery and it was done up nice and everything. And you just be there and, hey, I'd have peace there. But any time that your freedom would be taken away, mm-hmm. it would be difficult to have yeah. peace. And so in the world which we live in, peace is very elusive. It's hard to find peace. Uh, there are several wars that are going on right now throughout the world. Uh, there's always the thought of World War III looming in the back of people's minds, right? With things going on with Russia and Ukraine and the EU and NATO and everything. And uh, there's fighting between countries, uh, between political parties, between classes. There's class warfare, fighting between ethnicities. And there's battles of ideologies around the world of the, the left versus the right, the communists versus the, the capitalists, and all these different fightings and battles that are going on around the world. And there's even very little peace that exists within most homes or even many churches where there should be peace. And so with all of that, how do we find peace? And I think even whenever we come down to the most, to the smallest level, even in most people's minds, people struggle to find peace within. Yeah. And so there is a struggle. There is a desire for peace. Uh, anytime you talk about the troubled mind, you think about how many people uh, are contemplating suicide or sometimes successful with it because of the trouble of the mind, the constant uh, feelings that are going on. People, they are struggling trying to find peace of some sort and in the world that we live in there's so many things that will trouble our mind so many things that will cause us to to worry to fret to grow anxious uh satan supplies plenty of lies to our minds society provides plenty of lies to our minds to make us think that it is hopeless to make us think that uh our lives are unconsequential that they there's nothing good no reason no purpose for a living right Mm -hmm. And so the accuser will constantly bring all kinds of things up to us and take away our peace if we allow him to. And so as we look at all these different struggles for peace, uh, even in our own selves, a peace of mind and a peace of heart, uh, I want to look at Psalm chapter 42. Psalm 42 is a psalm of the sons of Korah. Anyone remember Korah? Korah was one of the ones that raised up against uh, uh, Moses with Dathan and Abihu. Mm-hmm. And the earth opened up and swallowed them down. Right. But it didn't. God didn't punish the sons of Korah. And the sons of Korah ended up being uh, the basically the song leaders in the tabernacle. David appointed them to be the ones who would be uh, singing before uh, before God in the temple and in the tabernacle. That was the descendants of Korah. And in Psalm chapter number 42, this would have been a uh, psalm that 
they were to perform, one that was written for them, one that they would be singing before the Lord. And it is a prayer. Many of the Psalms are prayers, right? And some of this is fairly familiar for us, but it says, Psalm 42, verse 1, As the heart paineth after the water brooks, so my soul... Uh, Excuse me. As the heart paineth after the water brooks, so paineth my soul after thee, O God. My soul thirsteth for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? My tears have been my meat day and night, while they continually say unto me, Where is thy God? When I remember these things, I pour out my soul in me, for I had gone with the multitude. I went with them to the house of God with the voice of joy and praise, and with a multitude that kept Holy day, why art thou cast down, O my soul? And why art thou disquieted in me? Hope thou in God, for I shall yet praise him for the help of his countenance. And so that was the part that I wanted to get to in verse number five. He says, why art thou cast down, O my soul? His soul is cast down. It is depressed. It is discouraged, right? He says, why art thou disquieted? And one of you said that quiet was part of peace, right? Mm -hmm. So to be disquieted, to be cast down, is this idea of having a troubled soul, of having a lack of peace. So at this time that he is writing this, it is seeming as if he is lacking peace. It's seeming as if God is far from him. He is looking to hear something from God. He's looking to feel something, right? And he's talking about how they're going down to the temple. They're going down with joy and praise, but it's just not working for him. And so for him, surrounded by people who are rejoicing, people who are glad, people who are praising the Lord, his soul is cast down. His soul is disquieted with him. He doesn't have any peace. But at the end of verse number five, he says, Hope thou in God, for I shall yet praise him for the help of his countenance. And so he is looking forward. He's saying, although right now I am troubled, although right now I am struggling, right now God feels far from me, I know that I am going to rejoice in his countenance. I know that he is going to be near me. I know that though I feel this way right now, it's not permanent. In verse 6 it says, uh, oh my God, my soul is cast down within me. There will I remember thee from the land of Jordan and from the Hermonites, from the hill Mizar. Deep calleth unto deep at the noise of thy water spouts. All thy waves and thy billows are gone over me. Yet the Lord will command his loving kindness in the daytime. And in the night his song shall be with me and my prayer unto God and my prayer unto the God of my life. I will say unto God, my rock, why hast thou forgotten me? Why go I mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? As with a sword in my bones, mine enemies reproach me, while they say daily unto me, where is thy God? Why art thou cast down, O my soul? And why art thou disquieted within me? Hope thou in God, for I shall yet praise him who is the health of my countenance and my God. And so as he is going through this difficulty, as he's going through this hard time, as he is lacking peace, as his soul is feeling uh, forsaken and malnourished, he is still casting his mind back to God and saying that God is with me. God is going to bring me through this, uh, that this is only 
temporary, right? But twice in there, he says to his soul, why is his soul cast down? And why is it disquieted within him? Why is there a lack of peace? And so this makes the connection between soul health and peace, right? And so if nothing else, you're seeing a little bit about the way my mind works. Scary place, isn't it? So anyway, what do we do whenever it seems like the soul of man is disquieted within him? Uh, whenever it seems like there is no peace, how does the believer have peace? Because I believe that the Christian life should be a peaceful life, right? Christian life should be a peaceful life. And so I've got three simple things that I want to look at today. And the first one is... Uh, that we can have peace with God, Romans chapter 5 and verse 1. Romans chapter 5, verse 1, it says, Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom we also have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand, and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. And so this idea of having peace with God should be the foundation for the peace that we have overall in life. The Bible tells us that uh, we are in sin, we are alienated from God, that there is a punishment that lies ahead of every man because of our sins. The Bible says the wages of sin is death. But it doesn't stop there. It says the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And so in the passage that we read in Romans chapter 5, uh, it tells us that we have peace with God through Jesus Christ. That lets us know that any issues that lie between us and God are already settled. Anything that would keep us away from him, anything that would condemn our soul, anything that has to do with eternity is settled in Christ if we're a believer. Mm -hmm. We can have peace with God. And as human beings inhabiting inhabiting God's creation, every man upon this planet has the knowledge that we fall short, right? People will claim, I'm a good person, I'm doing well, but we all know as mankind that we mess up, that we sin. Right. Doesn't matter where you're at. And so man has made up many systems and religions to try to pacify the trouble of our soul, the trouble of our hearts, and try to get rid of that guilt that keeps us from peace. Uh, I know our pastor back in the States, he said a lot of people, instead of getting saved, they just get salved. It salves their conscience. It helps them to feel a little bit better, but it doesn't actually fix the problem. Right. And so you see that happening a lot, that people are looking for some way to help ease the guilt, to help ease that separation that they have between them and God. And they rely on all these different activities and these different religions. And many have even taken it upon themselves to try to convince themselves that there is no God, that they are the highest power. And so they need to do whatever is right in their own eyes, that there is no heaven, there is no hell, there is no thereafter. We eat, we drink, we be merry for tomorrow we die. Right? And so this is what man is trying to convince themselves of. But no matter what, Man has written within his DNA, within the, the depths of his mind and of his heart, a knowledge that there is uh, someone that they have to give an accountability to. 
that there is someone higher than them, someone who at the end of all these things that they are going to stand guilty before. And so man is trying their best to try to get peace with that, Mm -hmm. without actually getting peace with God. And so the Bible uh, is God's record of his workings to reconcile man to himself. And so through Christ, we can have peace with God. And Ephesians chapter 1, verse number 6, tells us that we are accepted in the beloved. So for us as Christians, this is encouragement to us. This is something that should bring us peace with just knowing that this fact of eternity can be settled. And I feel sorry for those out there who don't have that peace, for those who think that they have to work their way into heaven, or for those who think that they can sin and lose their salvation. There is constant unrest in their soul, wondering, have I done enough? Have I messed up? We don't have to worry about that because we have a promise in Scripture, just this passage that I read, that we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ that Jesus has paid in full that payment for whosoever believeth in him. And so with that, I have peace with God. That takes that out of the equation. That takes that trouble off my mind and off of my heart. And I know that I am accepted by God. And so the peace that comes from that, knowing that I have peace with God, I no longer have to fear what lies ahead. I no longer have to fear eternity. I no longer have to worry about God being mad at me, about God getting rid of me, about God uh, somehow uh, trying to wipe me out or get put me off this planet or uh, change his mind about his feelings or his love for me because none of it is based upon me. It is based upon Christ. And because of what Christ has done, I have peace with God. And so that is a huge burden, a huge responsibility that is taken care of in Christ. And so not only do we have the, the peace, uh, peace with God, we also have the peace of God. And so there's a difference there. Peace with God, and after we have that peace with God, that makes the peace of God available to us. Okay, And that's what we are looking at in Philippians chapter 4 and verse 7 where he talked about the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. And let's go ahead and turn over just a page or two to Colossians chapter 3. Colossians 3, verse 15, it says, And let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to the which also ye are called in one body, and be ye thankful. I've I've said plenty of times as we've been reading through different passages, whenever you see the word let in the Bible, it means there's what? There's a choice. So we have access to the peace of God. We have access to it, but it doesn't mean that it's automatic. It is a choice that we must make, right? Let the peace of God rule in your hearts. And so that's the idea of what has control of your heart. A lot of times I believe that fear has control of our heart. 
right? The Bible says that God hasn't given us the spirit of fear. What's the rest of it? Okay, power and of love and of a sound mind. So God hasn't given us the spirit of fear, but a lot of times fear reigns in our heart. Our mind constantly stays troubled. We have anxieties and we're wondering about what's going to happen the next day, the next month, the next year. We start going over, or maybe you are different from me, start going over all of the possibilities in our heads. And usually we're thinking about the worst case scenario. And so fear begins to reign in our heart. So it is a choice to let love reign in our heart. Once again, that goes back to guarding our hearts, doesn't it? We have to be controlling, be in charge, leading, making sure who we're allowing in the driver's seat of our heart. And so we need to make sure that it is the peace of God that is ruling over our hearts. Let's go ahead and turn to John chapter 14. This is a Bible study after all, right? John chapter 14. This should be a fairly familiar passage of Scripture to everyone. We usually look at the, the first part of it. Uh, I'll go ahead and look at verse number 1. That's not the main one I wanted to look at. But in John 14, 1, it says, Let not your heart be troubled. Once again, there's that word let. But this time it says, let not. So first we saw, let love rule your heart. Or let, not love, excuse me. Let the peace of God rule your heart. Right? Now it says, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. So what is the key that he's saying that guards against our heart being troubled? Anyone follow me? Well, we have a choice. You believe in God, believe also in me. Faith, right? And so whenever we have peace with God, we can now have peace of God because whenever we learn of our relationship with God, when we learn of his love that he has for us, whenever we learn if God be for us, who can be against us, whenever we learn that we are, as I said, accepted in the beloved, whenever we start learning our identity in Christ, right? And we are looking to him as the author and finisher of our faith. We're looking to him as the lover of our souls. We're looking to him as our Lord and Savior, the one who was willing to forsake all heaven, come down to this earth and be beaten beyond recognition, give his life for us, and still had the power to take his life up again and raise the third day to pay for our sins, the one that loved us that much. Whenever we start realizing that that is who we serve, that is who we now have a relationship with, then that starts giving us the peace of God that can reign in our hearts, that can rule in our hearts. Now, looking at the context of John chapter 14, Jesus is telling his disciples, I'm going to leave. He's been with them some three years at this point, and he is preparing them for his going to the cross. This is his final uh, weeks that he has on the earth, and he is telling them, uh, I know you've enjoyed me uh, leading you step by step and uh, being able to see me and lay hands on me and eat and fellowship and talk with me, but I'm going to go away. And they got upset about it. 
just before this, he told about Peter's denial, told about his betrayal. He says, one of you is going to betray me. Peter, you're going to deny me. And then fear started welling up in their hearts. Then they started having a lack of peace. Their soul was disquieted within them. And Jesus responded by saying, let not your heart be troubled. Mm -hmm. He says, I'm going to prepare a place for you. I'm going to come again, receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. So based upon Christ, who he is, his love for us, his constant fellowship with us, the promises that he is preparing a place, that he is going to take us to where he's at, all of these things start bringing to us the peace of God, right? But the verse I wanted to get down to is verse number 27. He's just told him about how he's going to send, verse 26, but the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring to remembrance I bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I have said unto you. Verse 27, peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you, not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. You've heard how I said unto you, I go away and I come again unto you. If you loved me, you would rejoice because I said I go unto the Father, for my Father is greater than I. So these are the promises that he's giving them and telling about the peace that he is sending their way. Uh, skip over two chapters to chapter 16, down at verse number 33. I'll go ahead and read verse 32. He says, Behold, the hour cometh, yea, is now come, that ye shall be scattered every man uh, to his own, and shall leave me alone. And yet I am not alone because the Father is with me. So he's talking about whenever they all forsake him, whenever he's arrested, whenever he's tried, whenever he's going to be crucified. But verse 33 says, These things have I spoken unto you, that in me you might have peace. In the world you shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Okay? And so he says, I have revealed ahead of time my plans that I have, the things that I'm going to do for the purpose that you will have peace because you're going to have trouble, you're going to have tribulation as long as you live in this world, but I've already overcome all that. I'm with you and you can have peace even in the troubles, even in the heartaches, even in the tribulation, knowing that I'm there, I'm in control, I've got all things in my hand. And so that is the peace of God. So we're forgiven, we're accepted, we're assured, we're indwelt at salvation. And that knowledge enables us to confront all the lies that steal our peace. It allows us to find our identity in Christ rather than in self or in society. That's what we have going on today is everyone is trying to find themselves. Everyone is trying to either identify themselves enforce their identity on everyone around them, or they're trying to assume the identity that society forces on them, and they struggle and they wonder why there is no peace. Okay? I hate to bring Hollywood into this. Okay? It's not Disney. But all the headlines here lately have been the Barbie movie. You all see all the things about the Barbie movie? And one of the things that kept popping up whenever I was online was... Uh, one of the, the actresses 
has this monologue about what it's like to be a woman today. Okay? America Freer, or whatever her name is. She has this monologue, and all of the women are identifying with it and saying that it resonates with them so much of how difficult it is to be a woman. Okay? okay? And the struggles and the troubles that women face in society, and all of it has this very feminist tone to it. But the reason why it resonates with so many people is they are trying and attempting to fit into the box, trying to fit into the identity that everyone else says they're supposed to be, right? And it is troubling them in their heart. It's troubling them in their soul and in their mind because society or themselves or whatever they're listening to is telling them all the things that they have to be, right? And they are trying to fit that identity. The reason I bring this out is that we find our identity in Christ. Society doesn't tell us who we are. We don't decide who we are. What? Okay. I thought maybe I said something wrong. No, sorry. But society doesn't get to tell us who we are. We don't get to determine who we are, but God determines who we are. And when we accept what God says about us, whenever we can see ourselves through what God's word tells us that we are, it brings us peace because then we can be what God has designed us to be. And as long as mankind is trying to pave their own identity, as long as mankind is trying to make their own way or trying to go against the identity that God intends for them, they are going to struggle, they are going to be troubled, they are going to be distressed. But whenever I come to God's word as a believer and know that I am loved, that I am saved, that I am his, that he is working in me, that he is long-suffering toward me, that he has a plan and a purpose for me, and that regardless of what goes on in this world, I am accepted of him. He may not approve all of my actions. He may not approve the things that I do, but I am accepted by him and I am loved by him and I will not be uh, cast out or discarded by him. Then I can have peace with God and the peace of God, right? And so whenever we see that our identity, as I said, is not in self or society, but as a child of God, we're beloved of the Father. We know that He is aware of all, that He foresees all things, that He is over all. He is fully able, as the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 9 and 8, He is able to make all grace abound toward us. Uh, Romans 8.28, he is able to work all things together for our good. And because of these promises that we have, these principles in God's word, we can have peace. We can have peace in our relationships. Yeah. We can have peace in our relationships because we aren't competing with one another. Right. We're not trying to prove ourselves. We're not trying to build our identity off of one another. But instead... We're looking to God rather than to one another. Mm -hmm. A lot of our troubles that we have in relationships with one another is whenever pride gets involved, whenever competition gets involved, whenever somehow that person isn't fulfilling my desires or my expectations, or I'm not feeling that fulfilling theirs, 
right? When we are trying to force our expectations and our ideas on other people, right? Whenever there's those type of conflicts that are there, there's no peace within the relationships. But whenever we have the peace of God in our lives and we have nothing to prove, whenever we realize what we have in God and start having the love, the kindness, the patience with others that God has with us, we find in the, the model prayer, whenever it says, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors, right? Mm -hmm. We see all throughout Scripture uh, how being Christ-like, following in His footsteps, doing the things that He enables us to do through His Spirit. Look at the fruits of the Spirit. Gentleness, goodness, meekness, long-suffering, patience, kindness, all those things. Whenever we start having those things going on in our lives that God has made available, it gives us peace between one another. Right? right. So it affects our relationships. It gives us peace in our circumstances. There's a lot of people today that are suffering anxiety and all kinds of fears and nervousness and worriness because of things that are going on in the world today. You look at the news for just a little bit, you watch the news for just a little bit, and you're going to have anxiety too because it's negative thing, negative thing, negative thing, negative thing, negative thing, right? And you're convinced that uh, North Korea is going to send a bomb out, that China is going to call in its debts, that Putin, who knows what crazy Putin will do, right? Other countries are going to get involved to help Ukraine, and that's going to pull others in. We're going to be in World War III. Those are distressing things. But as a Christian, we can have the peace of God because it doesn't matter what crazy dictators do. It doesn't matter what different uh, countries' uh, political systems and what their, um, what their policies in dealing with other countries and everything is. Whenever God is the one who is in control, whenever he saw the end from the beginning, right? And so we can have peace in our hearts even whenever the world is threatening to blow up each other. We can have peace in our hearts and peace in our minds because of the peace of God, even whenever there's a pandemic. Many people lost their minds through COVID because of fear. There was no peace because of all of that fear. But for us as Christians, we know God is in control. And the worst thing that can happen is we get to heaven sooner. Right? And so that gives us peace. I'm not lobbying to be on the next bus out. I'm not out there going to, I'm not going to jump in front of any buses trying to get to heaven quicker. But if heaven forbid something happens to me, I don't have to worry about that. I don't have to worry about getting COVID and dying or my heart exploding in my chest or getting run over by a freight train. Because I have the peace of God in my life knowing that I am his and he is mine. He has me firmly within his control and he has a plan for all of this world and all of my life and he is working it together and if I'm following him, if I'm living for him, he can work all things together for my good. And so knowing God loves us and is in control makes our troubles as well as the troubles in this world not bring anxiety and fear to our lives. So that's peace of God. So peace of God in relationships and circumstances, peace of God within ourselves. 
The verse we started out with, uh, Philippians 4, 7, uh, it says, Be careful for nothing, but in everything prayer and supplication make your prayer, with thanksgiving, make your prayers known unto God, right? Your requests known unto God. I know I butchered that verse horribly, but you understand. Okay, and so that tells us that anytime there are cares, anytime there are concerns, anytime there are anxieties, we can take those things to God and we can have peace knowing that he is on the job, that he hears our prayers. And we talked about that with praying. In Luke chapter number 12, you have the passage where it tells us to consider the lilies. It talks about the sparrows. It talks about the grass of the field, all these different things. And the point of all that is that God takes care of even the least of things. And if he loves us as much as the Bible tells us he does, if he takes care of the sparrows, if he clothes the grass of the field, if he does all these different things, is he not going to care for us? And so we can have peace within our minds, knowing how much God values us, that he is in control, that he hears our prayers. The Bible says in Isaiah chapter 26 and verse number 3, uh, I'm going to turn over there because I'm, I'm going to misquote it even worse than the previous one. What did I say? Isaiah 26 and 3. It says, Thou will keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee, because he trusteth in thee. Thou will keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee. The peace of God comes from an awareness of God, of his presence, of his promises, of the truth of his word. It makes it necessary for us to be familiar with his word because of that peace that comes from the knowledge of who he is and what he does. So that will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee because he trusteth in thee. The last thing I want to look at, and we'll close here. We saw that there is uh, peace with God. There's the peace of God. And there's also peace that comes from following God. There's a peace that comes from following God. And so the first two... I don't have to worry about eternity. I don't have to worry about what God thinks of me because that was taken care of at salvation. I don't have to worry about the events of this world, about the things going on in my life, because I know God is in control. That's the peace of God. But there's a peace that comes from following God because a life that is lived according to God's will and according to God's word is going to have significantly less things to cause trouble and anxiety. Most of our problems in this world today, most of the problems in our lives individually, comes from us going against the things of God. Right. If we live outside of His plan, if we live outside of His will, if we do things contrary to what His Word says, we are going to heap troubles unto ourselves. Mm -hmm. We're going to have problems and disquiet of soul and unrest in our minds because whenever we go against the things of God, we have done a disservice to ourselves. We have uh, taken away much of the peace that we would have had had we just walked with him. Right. Uh, we have the, the constant uh, <laughs> illustration throughout Scripture that Jesus is the good shepherd. Mm -hmm. Right? Yeah. And we're around plenty of sheep in, here in yeah. Ireland. But if a sheep is left to itself unprotected, uncared for, to just do its own thing, does it go well for the sheep? Y'all remember the sheep back here a few years ago that had gotten lost? Mm -hmm. 
for a long amount of time and it grew out its its wool until it was like absolutely massive and could barely walk and was horrible health. Y'all remember that? Some of you? No? I have to look up the, the article. That just came to my mind. But anyway, that sheep had went through all sorts of distress because it had gotten lost away from its shepherd, from its master. Okay? And the amazing thing is that it actually lived because most of them would end up being slaughtered by something, right? There's plenty of, uh, plenty of animals out there that would catch a, uh, a sheep on its own. But the reason I'm going through all of that is that whenever we stay near Christ, whenever we are allowing him to lead and guide and direct us, then he is going to lead us around all those things. You look at the 23rd Psalm, whenever it says that he it says, though I, um, oh, I'm drawing a blank at the moment. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for thou art with me. They rod in thy staff, they comfort me. Talks about him restoring our soul. Talks about him preparing a, a table in the presence of our enemies. That doesn't mean that there's a, a, a table in a room and all of our enemies are sitting there watching us. But this is the idea of a shepherd. It is the, the raised plane would be a table and they would be out in the open. They would be um, They would be very vulnerable there if it wasn't for the shepherd being there. There was no place for them to flee. There was no way they could outrun the, the predators that would attack them in the middle of that raised plain where they could hide, their predators could hide in the edges and the hills and the rocks around and would be on them before they knew it if it wasn't for the shepherd. And that's why it says, thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. And the reason, uh, reason I brought that up is that all the way through the 23rd Psalm, walking through the valley of the shadow of death, feasting in front of the enemies, all of those things, the sheep is at peace because of the presence of the shepherd. When you are walking with him and whenever you are near the shepherd, there is peace that comes from following the Lord. It goes back to Philippians chapter 4 and verse 7 that we talked about, the peace of God that passeth all understanding. Uh, Psalm 119, 165, great peace have they which love thy law, nothing shall offend them. Right. Now we're not talking about offense like, well, that offends me. <laughs> yeah. But to be offended, whatever it says, great peace have they that love thy law, nothing shall offend them. To offend means to cause to stumble or to go out of the way. Whenever we love his law, things aren't going to push us away from him, not going to cause us to stumble, not going to cause us to go out of the way. We can still stay close to him whenever we love him, we love his law, we're following after it. And so as we look at all these many characters in Scripture we referred to earlier, they had peace despite the difficulties because they knew they belonged to God and they knew that the place that they were at was God's will, God's purpose, that God had led them there. And so following his will and following his word will help you avoid a lot of turmoil, but it will give you peace even during the turmoil and the troubles that you can't go around yes. because you know that you are there with the Savior. Right. And so just as a, a closing illustration, something that Les and I was talking about this week is the amount of times that we have to go back and just look at the place that we're at right now and look at how we got here 
whenever there's difficulties that come, whenever there are trials that come, whenever there's questions that arise, we can go back and we can look and say, we know that God has brought us here. We can go back and look at steps. We talk about Ebenezer. Y'all remember Ebenezer's? The children of Israel came uh, uh, after a victory or after crossing uh, one of the rivers or something. They set up an Ebenezer. It was a, a stone monument. And God said, the reason you're setting these up is so that in future times, whenever you or whenever your children look upon these, you can remember what God has done for you and be reassured and have peace, right? right? And so in our lives, there are different Ebenezers that we can go back to and we can say, God did this. God led us here. We know that this is the will of God. And so if we are in the will of God, if God has led us here, then God is going to continue to guide us. God is going to take care of us and we can have peace in the place that we're at. Okay? And so there's all different places that we come to, all different situations that arise, and we have to reevaluate. Yeah. You know, whenever the, the enemy comes and starts whispering lies, whenever there's things that causes us to fear that we become disquieted in soul, we have to go back and say, has God been with us all along? Has God led us to this place? Has God been taking care of us all along? Then I can continue to trust him that he's going to continue leading. He's going to continue taking care of me and I can have peace. Right. Right? And so all the way through this, we started with the idea that our soul can be disquieted, our soul can be troubled. We need to take action to make sure that we are keeping out the things that would trouble our soul and that we are focusing on the good things that is going to strengthen our soul. And the best way that we can do that is from having peace with God, having the peace of God, and having the peace that comes from following His Word and His will in our lives. Okay? And if there's anything that we need in this life, I believe it's peace. It's peace. There's plenty of trouble. There's plenty of turmoil. And I believe the Christian life should be a peaceful life. And I'm thankful for the peace of God. Thankful for the peace that I experience. There's sometimes, just as a family, we talk about that, that our lives are boring. Right? We talk about our lives being boring. And one of the reasons why our lives are boring is that there isn't a whole lot of turmoil to stir it up. Right. I think sometimes we we confuse the boredom for the peace. Yeah. And I don't want to take that for granted. So does anyone have any questions, any comments, anything to add tonight? Nothing. Okay. Well, if nobody has anything, let's go ahead and close in prayer. Call tonight. Dear Lord, we come to you today. Just thank you for your blessings. And we do thank you for this time that we've had. And I pray that it's been helpful to those that are here. I thank you, Lord, for their their desire to be here, their willingness to come out. And Lord, I just pray that you would uh, just work in their hearts. And, and Lord, that you would uh, draw them to you. Lord, if there's 
things that, that have them troubled, things that are stealing their peace, help them, Lord, to, to look to you and to uh, to overcome those things, Lord. I just pray, ask you that you would uh, just be with us, Lord, whenever those things that disquiet our spirit comes around, Lord, that we would subject them to the truth of your word and that we would come to you and cast our cares upon you. And, Lord, that we would uh, remember that, that peace that we have uh, with you and of you. And, Lord, we just thank you so much for all that you do. And all these things we pray in Jesus' name and amen.